minutes of our lives inside Either we're in traffic at work or close eyes How about we all agree that it's way overdue to take back our lives What's up, guys? Welcome into the Work Wherever podcast. I'm your host, Roy Edwards, and this is the podcast where we talk about AI, artificial intelligence, automation, technology trends, all that good stuff so you can work wherever and live every day like it is Saturday. And I got Sydney here today, which means it's going to be a good episode. Hi, Sydney. How are you? Hi. Good. How are you? I'm just doing just fantastic. Just couldn't be better. It's Friday. It is Friday, which means the universe was just trying to attack me, and they just wanted me to just... My internet went out. Just Couldn't find my headphones boy, for this episode. We should end the day early. That's what it is. Is that what it is? Again. It's just like, why did we not do a four day work week this week? Is that what this is? You're probably yes, right. That's exactly what yeah, it's saying. It's probably Actually. exactly what this is. It's also going to be a good episode, not only because we have Sydney here, which always means that it's going to be a good episode, but we have a special guest today. And when you talk about digital marketing, so. I get hit up a lot. We build a lot of applications and people message me all the time, which I, I just got another DM this morning, actually. People looking for digital marketers, right? Which is, has become like one of these industries where, which Alex will go into this, and it's Alex Vonderhaar who's with me. But digital marketing has become one of these things where anyone who has a social media account thinks that they can be a digital marketer. But there is such a science, and Alex is a literal scientist, but there is such a science behind digital marketing, which we're going to get into today, that is going to really put the industry on test, I think, over the next five years. And so here to talk about the future of modern marketing is the neuroscientist himself, Mr. Boy Genius, Alex Vonderhaar of Hidden Falls Media. How are you doing, Alex? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Um, when you set the tone with music like that, it's got a very, uh, like... Uh, banana pancakes vibe to it you know that song by uh oh, well, jack johnson jack johnson that's it yeah it's got like that very banana pancakes vibe to it you're speaking sydney's you're speaking sydney's language now all right sydney created the intro this is her brainchild i did not you didn't, make you didn't intro, record it but i sent examples along yeah she said i prefer reggae roy roy wants an upbeat Hard rap, but we're yeah. going to totally scrap that, and we're not going to have anything to do with that, and we're going to be chill vibe, which I like it. I do. It's fantastic. So I appreciate I appreciate the the shout out. Not as much as Sydney appreciates it, but <laughs> I do as well. So Alex, I laid it out there in kind of your little bit of an intro, but you know, neuromarketing is what you guys do, yep. and so neuro is a scary thing for people. Whenever you hear neuro, neuroscience, people are immediately like, what does that mean? So I'll just ask, what is neuromarketing? Yeah, so 
breaking that down really simply, back in about 2008, when fMRI machines became really popular and based, like the technology evolved, medicine got to this new spot to where we could put people inside of fMRI machines and let them view websites, let them view advertisements while they're hooked up to other things like heart monitors, O2 readers, and we can start to gauge physiological responses based off of what they were viewing and seeing. And the majority of the reason why marketers came to this and said, hey, we have to get better in these regards is that when it's analyzed and studied, 95% of customers' decisions are unconscious. So even with self-reporting as to, hey, what made you make one decision or another when you're buying a product or a service, a lot of it was rationalized after the decision had already been made. And cognitive psychologists were starting to get really baffled around like, hey, like, there's got to be underlying things that are happening with this. Pathways get lit up. We're, see we're seeking certain neurochemistry to feed back into our loop around our buying decisions. And that's really where a lot of this stemmed from. But for decades and decades and decades, since really the Mad Men era of marketing, we understood that it was very psychology based. And when there's psychology involved in utilizing behavior and brain chemistry, that just naturally leads itself more into the neuroscience field. And that's really where the two kind of get separated. Psychologists and even like cognitive psychologists that focus on helping patient to patient, they understand that neurochemistry plays a role, but they're not really focused in that. And as neuromarketers, we're really focused on what are the, what's the research that's out there? How can we apply that for the business owners that are out there that are looking to create that emotional connection between their consumer and their business or their product faster? It's not about manipulation. It's not about the negative side of psychology. It truly is about making that connection happen faster. So that way your client or your uh, prospect can find the answer and the solution to whatever pain or whatever problem they're facing a lot faster. And so how, do, how deep does this go? So Sydney is a, uh, a, a 20s, in her 20s female, and I'm an old man. So I assume the way that we think, is it gender related? Is it age related? Like how deep does this, like how does deep does this go? Is this it, each individual person kind of has their own trends or how does that work? It can be. Um, but generally when we're looking at businesses, it's very rare that you're selling one product to one person and only that person. Right. But across the board, when we look at generalities and people being put inside of these tests or inside of fMRI machines and being run through studies, we notice that there's really not a big gap between uh, gender or even between your typical demographic bases. The copy may have to change, the way that the offer is structured or presented may have to look different. But overall, we're all seeking the same thing, to move away from pain and into pleasure as fast as possible. And that's really where these that foundation starts and how it builds and grows. You hear that, Sydney? We're not that, we're not that, we're not that different. We're the same. She tries to tell me that we're different all the time. She tries to <laughs> call me old. Yeah. See that? So, proof. Science says so. <laughs> so you um, you talked a little bit there at, at where you're talking about getting from pain to pleasure. Yeah. So break break that down in terms of the pain versus pleasure. And you know, I know that you do a lot with the six human needs. So kind of break that down down for me. Yeah. So at any point in time whether we think we're in true pain or it's perceived pain, we're always gonna try to find a solution out of this. Um, whether for work, if we're talking like business to business, hey, I'm dealing with a certain problem in my business and there's another business out there that solves that, 
we are going to try to find the solution that we think is going to move us towards that solution. But the way that we do that, the way we approach that, and the way we try to find these things in the marketplace is very much varied and kind of, um, it floats between lenses is really a good way to look at that. Like the lens that I may look at how to solve this problem through or find that potential business that I'm going to invest in with my dollars in order to move away from that pain point the way that I approach me may be totally different than Roy, how you approach to somebody else or how Sydney approaches to somebody else. So we have the six human needs that kind of guide us through those different lenses. There's certainty, the idea that when I make this decision, I want 100% certainty that I'm gonna get X, Y, and Z out of it. It's very logical brain or left brain side for most people. And it's not really using a lot of emotional storytelling around certainty but great marketers know how to use storytelling to pull in certainty into that. Then we have the other side of that coin, which is uncertainty. This is the, I'm always after the new and next best thing, and I wanna to try to find it, and I love pulling that dopamine switch inside of the brain to find the new gamble that's gonna work for my business. Then we have uh, contribution. So the idea that I wanna find a business that's contributing back to and a cause to a specific group, and this is really where millennials and Gen Zs live for a lot of their human need when they're looking to buy from a business. We have growth, the idea that I wanna be growing as a human being, this product or this service is going to help me grow. We have love and belonging, the idea that I wanna feel part of a tribe and that having that close-knit tribe to me is really, really important. That may not matter for somebody that's very, like, a, like an accountant, that may not matter for them nearly as much as that might matter for somebody that deals with brand influencers or deals with wanting to build a fitness community. They just don't have that same connection. So we have certainty, uncertainty, we have growth, contribution, love and belonging, and then we have significance. So the idea that I wanna feel like I'm the winner, I wanna feel top chimp, I wanna feel alpha, and that drives a lot of people. And when our marketing is using these and testing these out systematically, we can actually find where our customers' lenses are viewing through. And then from there, that's how we can start to create different marketing messages. But at the end of the day, we have to outweigh the cost, right? The, the cost of me moving from my state of pain to the perceived outcome, we have to, it's a lot of like copywriters will call it the gap or the valley. And most people don't ever create that pain point and let that exist they kind of beat around and just say, my product is gonna solve all these things. My product is gonna do X, Y, and Z for you. Here's the offer for the product, but you don't really dig into the valley because that's where we're able to start to build the bridges using copywriting, using imagery, using sensory-based neuromarketing to get them to that end goal. And that's really what we focus a lot on is not only finding what those layers are for the business, but also figuring out how we can tie those bridges over that gap so your customers can cross there easily. Yeah, I love this conversation. So within those six human needs, is this kind of like, uh, what is it, Enneagram? Do you do Enneagram, Sydney? I yeah. know what you're talking about. You know about, what I'm talking about? No, I've not done that. Can, can people have like more than one that is like their main human need totally. or how does, so how does totally. that, how does that work? We typically find like two to three, like so looking at your TAM or your total addressable market, they're probably gonna have all six. That's fine. I approach this like my total addressable market, all business owners. We really don't deal with, if you're just an average everyday consumer, our products don't fit you. So you're not part of my TAM. 
But within that, I have different subsections within there that we have different products and services for that are meant to help their needs. Like if you're under $25,000 a month, as a marketing agency, there's really no way that I can work hand in hand with you because you just don't have the revenue that's gonna be required to get you to where we need to get you to using ad spend, using SEO, using copywriting, using neuromarketing as a whole. We don't have that flexibility and budget but I've specifically tailored products and services at different price points and at different layers because I understand that their human needs at those different levels are totally different. Mm -hmm. They may want to feel like that they need that novelty, that they want to try something new, but it's up to us and our ethical standards to say, you may want to try that, but it's probably not going to be the best decision for you. There's better ways to allocate your capital at this point in time in order to get you to those end goals. But typically there's two to three human needs that, pe that your audience is gonna cycle through. And then it's up to us as business owners or as marketers to create those conversations, tell those stories that surround that entire ecosphere of that part of your TAM and just rinse, repeat, and tell better and different stories to connect with them over time. Yeah. You mentioned that millennials and Gen Z, are you a millennial or you Gen Z? Millennial. You're a millennial. I'm millennial, millennial too. See, we're just we're just basically the same person. The and Alex, you're a millennial too, right? Yep. So the millennial as speaking as millennials, we will speak for the entire generation because that's Why what not? we do. Why not? Sweeping generalizations across the board here. You had mentioned that millennials and Gen Z purchase with which one was it? The contribution. Contribution. Which the first thing that came to my mind is are those Vans or are those Toms that you're wearing? They're Vans. They're Vans. But you know Toms that I'm talking about? Yeah. Did you ever have a pair of Toms? They're my dog walking shoes. They're your dog walking shoes. And why did you buy Toms? I didn't. My mom did. Oh. For me. Well, then that just totally destroys my <laughs> argument. But that was the first thing that I thought of, Alex, was Toms were huge. Mm -hmm. In high school, for sure. For me, they were. That was, and they donated like a pair of shoes to right. other people. And that was like the whole driving force behind it is people were like, oh, they're giving shoes. And isn't it like a socks company, Bomba Socks or something like that, that gives the socks mm -hmm. to the poor? That's what you're talking about there, right, Alex? Yep. So, so how do – I mean, I feel like every organization tried to do that for a period of time. So if everybody's doing it, does it still have the same effect or – Yeah, Totally. Um, you know, you, you definitely want to be different inside of the marketplace. And when we pull our audience, that's one of the hardest questions that they have is how do I stand out and be different in the marketplace when everybody else seems to be throwing spaghetti against the wall, seeing what sticks. And that's really the key. Like just because they're doing that doesn't mean that anybody has truly gone from your perspective or done it well enough on how you could do it. That's, that's the whole idea of evolution, right? We take what other people have been successful at before us and adapt on top of that. Mm. No, that's good. Yeah, because I feel like every company tried to do the, we're going to donate a shirt to, to somebody. And then I assume that it's just not the matter of just giving, right? I mean, it, it's right. it the cause of who you're giving it to matters as well, exactly. I assume, right? It, it's got to fit in with your core values and who you are as a business owner and what your organization stands for. If I just say as an organization, like because we're a marketing company, if I say for every piece of for every website you buy from us that we develop, we're going to go donate one to a business owner that's in need. That really doesn't respect the marketplace. Mm -hmm. 
right? So there, there's misalignment with just saying that this blanket concept is going to work. But what we can do for contribution in other ways, like we did a challenge where every day for 75 days inside of our business, I sent out through our uh, Slack channel daily puzzles and daily mind games. Mm. And for everybody, for the first person to solve that puzzle for the day, they got $5 that was thrown into a donation bucket. And everybody else after that was able to put in $1. And then at the end of that, the person who had accumulated the most amount of money as their overall total score was able to pick the charity that we donated that money to. So there's other ways to contribute into that idea without it necessarily having to be this big grandiose idea that you have to go out and be a Tom's or be a Bomba Socks just because you're not forward with that marketing and that's not your main marketing campaign doesn't mean it can't be an alternative marketing campaign inside of your business and even an internal motivation for your team to be able to do these things and spread that message. Yeah, because that, that's internal marketing, which we do a right. little bit of that. Not that. I like that, though. No, scribble that, that down. Yeah, you got to scribble that. Write that down in your handy-dandy handy dandy notebook. So in the intro Puzzles. there, I talked a little bit about digital marketing is kind of it's become a buzzword a lot like yeah. automation and ai and it, these are these buzzwords that we talk about a lot on this show and everybody out there pretends to oh yeah i do automation oh really you know what do you do and you boil it down and they don't they don't they just you know do do some form or fashion of like an app that does something you know oh our app pushes this is this app that i use oh well that's not really what we're talking about and i feel like everybody with an instagram handle it became this like hot thing for a little while. And so I know you've talked about this before in terms of like white belts, right? The yeah. white belt marketers. So how do we differentiate a neuroscientist who, I mean, everything that opening spiel um, was just gold real, like that, the, the tests, the way that we're looking at people's, uh, interactions, how they're thinking. These are not things of your typical, I'm a social media, I run a social media account for people type of marketers. So how, how do we know as business owners, whether we're doing business with the real deal, Alex Vanderhaars of the world, or we're doing business with, uh, you know, Abercrombie and Fitch underscore hottie, whatever at Instagram, you know? Yeah. Uh, the big, so it depends on what you're hiring them to do. So when we did our podcast, we talked a lot about how ChatGPT really yeah. kind of came and slapped a lot of white belt copywriters across the face because now there's no excuse for a business owner or for a biz or for a marketer not to be able to crank out mediocre or very elementary based copy and seconds. And when we look at that, there's even apps out there that'll help with um, kind of like AI for ad, ad buying on Facebook, on Google, and eventually it'll get there with TikTok. But really what you have to look at is how are they approaching this like a scientist? Are they testing things? How are they testing? They may say, oh yeah, we do A-B testing. Okay, but let's ask more questions. What are you A-B testing specifically? How are you A-B testing this systematically? And then how are you looking at this from a, more of a, a stricter formula? So we look at this as saying, okay, all of our paid ad campaigns need to go through not only the human needs test that we talked about earlier, which human need is your marketplace actively responding to, but then we can go at that one level further. And there's a really great marketing formula. It's super simple. 
ME, so marketing effectiveness, equals parentheses value minus cost times acceptability. So all that's saying is that if our marketing effectiveness is equal to a positive value, so the cost cannot outweigh the value, and it's found a way to gain more traction or more buzz through acceptability, now we found enough juice to actually squeeze campaigns from. Most marketers that are fly-by-night white belts can't get above a two, three, or four X on Facebook or Google anymore. It's just not possible for them because they don't know how to systematically approach this. And after iOS 14.5, they really got screwed because that eliminated a lot of the high-level targeting that Facebook supposedly had, right? Whether you believe they do or not, I personally don't think that they had that level of insight. I think they were just sending it out to such volume under-reporting the volume and then trying to give you that actual cost of what you wanted to see in order to buy more into their platform. But as you start looking at how these things get tested in layers, that'll tell you if you're really dealing with somebody that's worth their salt or not. The other thing that I would look at as far as whether or not to actually hire somebody as your CMO or as your advertising or marketing agency is are they well-rounded? Everybody wanted specialization and went after specialization for a really long time. And while it's great to have the best Facebook ad buyer on Facebook or on, you know, like inside of your business, if they don't understand how and where to stack certain things, they're going to come back to you month over month if it's not performing and say, we're not spending enough. You're not spending enough to get results when most of the time that's actually not true. If you take a like kind of phase-based approach to ad buying and say, okay, phase one, we're gonna do super low level testing, like $5 a day per ad set, and we're gonna test things out in different marketplaces where we think your audience is with a super strong ad that we've created a few different variations of, we're gonna look for market signals that come back to us and say, okay, here's some pockets that might work. We're gonna see if they work for a few weeks if they do, then we can start to scale those individual campaigns and then start doing creative testing inside of those different audience segments. But if that's, and that's like even getting above white belt, like now we're starting to get into like a little bit of blue and purple with your media buying. And then when we start looking at that next level of it, maybe getting to like a purple and brown belt, now they're looking at saying, okay, we've got SEO in here, we've got email and SMS, so we're gonna hit at these parts of your customer journey. We're gonna look at adding in different social media content in different places. We're gonna look at how we can pull people down from top of funnel all the way down to the actual point of sale. And that's where most people stop. There's an entire backside of that funnel that nobody talks about. This is where we're dealing with the honeymoon phase. It's right after you bought the product that you're super in love with it. You love the brand, everything about it was, everything about the shopping experience, the shipping experience when you first opened the package, what that experience was like, it was completely dialed in. But then that honeymoon phase only lasts for so long. Other products, other experiences come into our lives that make us forget about those. Other stresses of our daily lives, other pain points come in and make us forget that we had an amazing experience. So then they drop back down into what would be like the middle of the bottom side of the funnel, which is the what have you done for me recently phase. That's where they'll look at a brand and be like, yeah, I bought a pair of Beats, but it was two years ago. They're kind of worn out now, and I really don't wear them as much. You're in the what have you done for me recently phase. I'm kind of passive, and I'm actually willing to consider other brands and other businesses to buy from as opposed to just going back and buying another pair of Beats. 
And on the bottom side of that, which is every marketer's fear zone, is what we actually call the death zone, which means they're never coming back to you. You have to essentially rework them all the way back up to the top of the funnel. And now it's the same customer acquisition cost. It just got spread out over a longer time. And now we're paying twice to acquire that one customer again, mm. which as a business is nightmare. I can't imagine what spending double the customer acquisition cost for the customer that we already acquired once. They had a great experience with us, but they never actually stayed around with us for a long time. It's horrible. Nobody wants to do that, especially from a business owner. You're like, holy crap, that could double my marketing costs over a two to five year window if they're falling out of pocket so fast. And a real true good marketer that's worth their salt is having these conversations with the business owner during a face-to-face -face call or when you're interviewing them to become part of your business, these are the types of questions like, what happens if we get somebody all the way down, they love the product, they're sitting with us for a little bit, but then they just completely fall off the face of the earth for us. How are we getting those customers to come back? What are we doing to re-engage those and revitalize that list? Because we pay to acquire them, we don't want them just to fall straight out of our pipeline. Yeah, so you, you, you just, laid a lot out there and we'll come back to chat GBT because that is uh i know sydney's been using that which she posted something on instagram the other day was like this is what the bot said right right and he was pretty close yeah so to that point what exactly what you're saying is which what what how you posted it out but how different was it from and what did you put what did you put in the bot um, I think I asked it to like write an Instagram post about automation for me. And it wrote something similar to what you would have posted probably, right? Yeah, like exactly. Like ex almost exactly what you're going to mm -hmm. post. And so you see a lot of companies now that are doing that now. I think we had a conversation about that the other day, Alex. I was like, companies are either what are they making their marketing team smaller or go, just getting rid of them to try and rely on this chat GPT, which it was good. But did you try to, did you try to ask it another one? No. I wonder what would happen. I wonder if it would spit out the exact same one. Can try I've right done now. that a few times to where I've like said, rewrite this in two or three different ways. And it did it work? Yeah. It, it did good. do it. Yeah. yeah. It, but there's gotta be a limit at some point, right? I would imagine. It, see, and like when I read that, it reads very much like bland blog posting to me. It does. I, which I had somebody write a full. Are you getting on ChatGPT right now? I I, mm -hmm. I had somebody come to me the other day and was like, I had ChatGPT write me a whole blog post on on a topic and then posted the blog post. And so, well, I guess we'll just dive into Jen. Well, why not? We're talking about it. How much of a threat is ChatGPT to digital marketing and where do you see it fitting into digital marketing as a whole? Do you think it's like a threat or do you think it's a tool? I think it's a tool. Um, I'm not going to lie and say we're not using it because we are. It We're using it to get us 80% of the way there. Mm -hmm. And then we're using our expertise around persuasion, influence, copywriting to really kind of elevate it because it won't dig into pain points very well. If you ask it to write something angry or provocative, it doesn't do a very good job right. or it will just straight deny the request. And that's based off of its code of ethics that it has to pass through in order for that content to become self-learning inside of its own platform. So where I'm really interested with this is SEO. 
And I keep seeing people online say SEO is dead. SEO is never going to come back. And I'm kind of sitting here laughing, saying, mm. I think I found the easiest way to ever leverage SEO because for the longest time, putting out blog posts was tremendously painful, took forever and very cost inefficient. Yeah. But if I can say, here are the top 30 keywords that I want my brand to be recognized for through Google as our keywords to drive traffic, knowing it's going to take time. Yeah, you have to rework your website a little bit. I think this is the easiest way to ever gain SEO traction ever. That is through lighting, writing something, uh, uh, writing your own blog post because the bots are pulling out the same words or targeting the words that the bot is putting out. So tell, tell, the, tell the bot, hey, I want you to write a SEO rich blog with mm. these keywords for our company and I want you to continuously learn from the previous blog posts that we have in here. Wow, I didn't think of that. I was thinking, my mind went the other direction was, if everybody's asking similar things, they would get similar answers. So if I wrote a unique blog, it might rank higher. But what you're saying is, we could just have the bot, hey, we wanna include these target words and go get them and we'll rank higher than the right. next person who's not thinking that way. Right. Wow. I didn't think of that. Have you done that? Have you tried that? Yeah, we have like seven or eight that we've written, but we haven't published them because we're, we're relaunching our website in a few weeks. So when we relaunch, I've got about four or five weeks worth of blog posts that we're going to roll with and try that out. Wow. Sid, you just asked a, a couple questions. What were you asking over here? It wasn't actually working. Oh, it didn't work for you? It was just <laughs> it was responding like, like, hey, I don't want to answer you. Go away kind of a thing. It's just dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Which I've had that, to your point, I've had that happen to me. I've asked it things and it was like, I don't want to answer that or I can't answer that, which were mostly around human emotion or human decision type of yeah. responses where I feel like when you get into the six human needs, which ask it about the six human needs. I want to know if this this piece of robot even knows about the six human needs because marketing is a huge from what I've learned through through people being being close to people like you is the six human needs should be the way that you write your copy and structure your your ads and where you should be where you should be hitting. So has the bot have you seen bots or AI or been able to approach the six human needs or or at least make a decision on what a human might want and need or is yeah. that where your team is hitting it and being like this is the content and now let's pump it full of gold kind of a thing a little bit of both so you okay. we, we've been able to prompt it and ask it so uh, write me a blog post about why this guitar is perfect for the beginner and why mm. it's cost effective why it's great if in case there's repairs uh, the tonality of it for the dollar amount and then we'll have it completely elaborate on that and then our team will look at it and say okay it's good but it doesn't dig into the pain point of what happens if x y and z right and then we can start to kind of put the frosting on the cake but as far as it and that's almost exactly what it is i'm just thinking about this it's almost like we went from being able to measure out all the ingredients in a cake mix and build it ourselves and now we have Betty Crocker being able to give us the cake mix. Yeah. But you but you still have to mix the ingredients together. You still have to put it in the right order. 
And if you screw up some of the ingredients that you throw in there, it's not going to necessarily matter as much. Right. But you still have to apply the frosting. You still have to make it actually appetizing for somebody to consume. You can still mess up ramen noodles, no oh, matter yeah. how easy it is. Yeah. Sydney laughed, but I'm serious. I've burned. <laughs> I still burn ramen noodles. Are you? Do you know? You know what I'm talking about ramen noodles, the cup of noodle stuff. Yeah, I don't like them. You don't like cup of noodles, Alex? Yeah. Are you it's a cup of noodles guy? Salt. Yeah, but I eat, I eat ramen under like not cooked. Me too. I fill the water about like a third of the way. And so that it just kind of gets the the top third is kind of crunchy a little bit. Yeah. That's the way to that's the way to do that is it. That's the way to do it. But to your point, I mean, yeah, I guess you could screw up ramen, and I have screwed up ramen. But a Betty Crocker, when you get the ingredients, you still have to do it. There's a human element yeah. there, which we've talked a lot about. That what's right. that called? Tell me, tell me, you know what that's called? When the collaborative human... intelligence. Oh gosh, Sydney, she pays attention. I love it. <laughs> so. Collaborative intelligence from the developer side, from the AI side, collaborative intelligence is the AI gathers as much much data as possible to present to the human to make an informed human decision. And it sounds like from the developer standpoint, that could be, um, you know, releasing a certain release or a version of the application. It could be a business owner clicking a button to say, yes, I want to approve this sale. But you're saying that this is going to be a, a big part of marketing going forward as well, saying, hey, in a in different form or fashion, instead of go get me data, you're saying go get me target words or go get me a post. And then you're right. that's the collaborative intelligence from the marketing side of things. So I'll, I'll, I'll pull a little bit of the process cover off. We use a tool called SpyFu, which okay. is inc- incredibly powerful and extremely, in a, um, it, it, it's very cheap. It's like 30, 40 bucks a month. And it'll look at top ranking keywords that you can, cause like there's another tool, keywords everywhere that'll just scan and look at different keywords that have associations. Mm-hmm. But with SpyFu, you can see what your comp- what your competitors are actually bidding on and then from there, you can say, okay, if they're not using heavy SEO, maybe they're using 60% of their marketing that's online that's registered is paid and the other 40% is organic. It'll look at the keywords that they're paying for and the ones that they're not that are good opportunities to come in and either buy through Google Ads or through Facebook or wherever. Or it'll look at the organic SEO keywords and say, here's what nobody in your marketplace is really trying to go after for SEO now write blogs about that. So we're pulling, we're using multiple different intelligence sources to come together with ChatGPT and then being able to write these out and push. Wow. But you could do that with SEMrush or a bunch of other yeah. mar- or marketing tools like that. I've um, used uh, SEMrush or SEMrush before. Yeah. But you're saying you're using those now because we used it as kind of like our, how something was ranking. Like, right. okay, you said you said these 10 words and this is how you're performing. But you're saying that now with these other additional tools, and maybe it was just my ignorance, but you could go about this in a whole new way that you believe. So you think SEO is coming back first off. You think I that's. Do. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I kind of believe the you. People that, that want to go after it. Yeah. But I'm totally for the people still pushing that SEO is going to die because it's just going to make my job easier. Right. And I'll. And all the people that we represent, their SEO is going to go through the roof. Yeah. Because it's volume. It, it's just volume of opportunities at bat. 
and coming into content, coming in with everything else that's available, um, content is content at volume is going to win more. And Gary Vee was talking about this 10 years ago, but now we're really seeing it come into play this year. Um, and since you and I last talked, I actually found a video based AI that'll take long form video content like this mm-hmm. and chop it up into YouTube and Instagram reels for me and tic- and TikTok posts. And it's $200 for a year. And it'll scrub through the entire video, pull out question and answer. You can go in and change text and change it. So like the things that I sent you for our podcast, yeah, they were all done on that. And it took me and my team 15 minutes to produce 30 pieces of content. Wow. Outside of the time it took us to record. But this is where I'm getting to. Like, it's going to be a volume game moving forward. How, how long did it take you to do the ones for, for ours? Like 30. 30 minutes each. For one. For one. And how many, you said it took about 15, 20 minutes to do. How, how many did you do? 30. 30 of them? 30 of them. In 15 That's minutes. Wild. That's crazy. And then I have to sit there and like watch the whole hour long thing again and get timestamps and right. whatnot. And then right. edit it down and then do it again. And again, again, again. Yeah. Holy crap, man. Add captions. So I think this year is going to be a year of, uh, like, efficiency. Like, who is going to be the most efficient at producing things at scale? Whether that's blog posts, social media posts, TikTok, TikTok, IG reels, YouTube shorts, YouTube videos. Whoever can do it in volume at the most efficient level is going to win. Yeah. Which is fun because it brings it back to business fundamentals. Who can provide the best customer service and reach the most people the most effectively? That's true. I didn't really think about it that way. It takes the kind of gimmick out of it. Yeah. If everyone can create a reel and everyone can – because right now it's like, oh, well, in order to do something, you got to use reels. Okay, well, what if everybody has reels? Then it gets back to the basics. Yep. You know, I didn't think about that. And then I'm glad you brought up volume because – I have been wagging my finger at Sydney and like post more reels. Like don't not one reel uh, an episode. Post as many as possible. So I I hadn't thought about that. It's all about fundamentals. Which when you're really anything's about fundamentals. You look at the NBA. You look at the NFL. Athletes are bigger, better, faster, stronger. They have their training is crazy. Like they can jump over cars to dunk, but it's fundamentals. The people who understand the flow, the ebb and flow of the game, if you can understand, you know, just the, the, the minute details, you know, you, you hear about that in the NFL, right? Every, every inch matters, you know, that's true in sports. That's true in business. That's true in, in all things where it's, if you can understand the fundamentals and not just skip to this fun new tech, because that's what's going to happen is you're going to get the, these white belts as we, ta- as we call them. That are like, ooh, I have chat GPT. I don't have to understand copy. I can just get this thing to write it for me. And they're going to miss the total fundamentals. And if that tool were to break, go away, their internet goes out, what are they going to do? Plus, they don't understand how to edit it or if it's being going about it the right way. I, that's, I had not thought about it that way in a, in a term of this is, str- this is a level playing field, so to speak, in terms of the tech. And r- going back to who really understands it. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. So make sure that you're studying Alex. Just listen to his podcast constantly. 
So that when every, so then when the internet goes down on Friday, I said that you. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's. Uh, I I want to dive more into this ChatGPT stuff. So uh, outside, I know that ChatGPT has been around for three months. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Four months. November. And what were we? W- was there an equivalent to something like that prior to this, or is this? Or, or, was there tools similar to this around yeah. marketing? How was yeah. that? We had other tools, um, and it's funny because we laugh at them now internally. So there was one that we used a little bit called Jasper. Yeah. Um, Jasper was mediocre. Like, it, it shouldn't even have been really a thing. Um, but ChatGPT is just kind of next level with it. Yeah. Jasper, we actually just – we were talking about that on the podcast, the last podcast that you and I did together – it was this week, I think, um, where Jasper has read 10% of the internet. Wow. That, isn't that crazy? And there are more bits of sand. Uh, no, I, I screwed up again. There are more bits of data in the cloud than there are bits of sand on Earth. So if you think about that, Jasper has counted 10% of, of the beaches on the world, which is just unreal. So, but that just gets to show you that Jasper has read ten percent of the internet, and this ChatGPT. You're now laughing at Jasper because of ChatGPT and what it has been able to do in three months. I mean, wh- where do you think this is? Do you think there's just going to be like what? What do you think is next for marketing specifically? I know that we talk about a lot about what's next for AI, what's next for automation, but what's next for digital marketing in terms of where this technology can can take us. I would love to see it build websites. Wow. Yeah. Like you just say, build me a website that has, how would you approach that? Like above the fold says this. I wouldn't even go that far because I think, I think if you put in like a creative brief and you had certain like domain entry fields or input fields, so business name, product, what that image is, what the price is, and then command and say build me a shopify store that's workable that's it just and just ba- like here like here's my product here's my brand here are my brand colors here's here's logo here's some images now go build it i think you're i think you're on there i remember so i, I originally started developing it with notepad and i remember when uh dreamweaver came out which was all this? The days. Oh my god! All gosh. the days. I was. I hated it because I was like, "This is going to take my job." This is like, <laughs> you know, like that scarcity mindset, which I'm yeah. sure a lot of people. Which I saw your eyes kind of light up there, Sydney, when when Alex was talking about how you can create 30 reels <laughs> in 20 minutes, which is like, I how, need that. That's like 90 percent of your job. I feel like right now is doing that kinds of stuff. Not to say that we wouldn't repurpose you to do other things, because thank you. You got a laundry list of things in your in your IG DMs from just me, <laughs> but there are some people out there who view the what you just said and the potential for ChatGPT in general to say this is going to take my job. What? How do I do this? You know, like oh, because that's how I was with Dreamweaver. Dreamweaver came out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. And then Dreamweaver evolved to WordPress, and then it was like, oh my gosh, I never even have to write code ever again. Everything's drag and drop. And now you're saying, I never install a theme again. Just get the damn bot to build you, build you it up yeah. for you. 
that's and so with that said how what's the future of marketing look like do you think that marketing is in danger because I, I've thought multiple times to developers in danger, but then I would, it always comes out to developers are going to have this new thing. Do you think that marketing is in danger? Because there's a lot of people out there that would argue it is. I think it is for the ones that don't know enough yet. Yeah, it, I agree. It's the ones that are super siloed into one thing. Um, it used to be like the, the saying of Jack of all trades, master of none. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very true if you are um, an individualist around each of these components. So if all I do is SEO and write SEO blogs, I think you're in danger. I think if all you do is basic ad buying, you're probably going to be in danger. But I think if you're able to really look at marketing as an overall strategy, as a critical part of any business, just like you would accounting, when QuickBooks came out, I'm sure every right. accountant out there said the same thing. Yeah. But when it, co- when it comes time to file my taxes and run my quarterly books and my monthly books, my accountant's still the one that does that because I'm bouncing off of his 30 years of experience as an accountant to guide me and make better decisions. And to our point where earlier, where does AI replace a decision maker? Eventually, there's going to become legal ramifications to where a marketing bot puts out a marketing piece. Imagine if imagine if a marketing bot put out what, um, what that that last what was it? Uh, it wasn't Louis Vuitton. Who was that? Was that Gucci? Oh, yeah. Who was the the that did the child stuff? Yes, Balenciaga. 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 Yeah. Imagine if imagine if a company imagine if Capital Presence said put out because you're running volume. There's no human oversight around the individual components that are going out. View the internet, scrolled Twitter, scrolled wherever marketing trends are looking, and said there's a lot of people talking about uh, child pornography. There's a lot of people talking about X, Y, and Z around these fashion brands. We're going to accumulate all that data and spit out an AI-generated image and text and copy and a landing page that's entirely associated with that. And if you're doing that at such scale, eventually something's going to be put out where there's going to be legal ramifications against a business. So I don't think marketing is in danger unless you're completely siloed and all you're doing is focused on one thing because these tools are just that. They're going to be tools to help make the job be done better, faster, and more efficiently, but they're never going to replace the whole thing. It's just not going to happen. I hadn't thought about that. Trending. Right. right? If the bot is just say, hey, go look at trending and we got, you know. Big problems. Yeah. <laughs> like that Balenciaga. That's a good point. Whereas in the military, and we've talked about this, Sydney, on our po- on the, on the, on the on our other podcast together, is this is something that our government is is really thinking about right now with just with people and it, with with this artificial intelligence, right? So there are times when a warfighter will get lent to other countries, right? So so a drone person will get lent to England, for instance, right? And then it's an American driving the drone to support. The, Eng- the uh, English, British soldiers, right? Well, let's say that it's an AI bot flying and the drone operator is there and the AI bot acts rogue. This technology doesn't exist yet, but these are real conversations that are being had. And the drone shoots somebody and it just happened to be the wrong person. Looked like him, walked like him, 
wasn't the right person. Who's to blame? Is it the drone operator? Is it England who, you know, it was their thing? Is it the general who gave the orders to say that the drone operator could be lent to England? Who's to blame? I think that's kind of like what you're getting at here is who's to blame then? Is it the bot? Is it the marketing company that you hired to send the bot out? Is it, you know, Balenciaga is trying to, didn't they try to put it on somebody else? Then they try to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, do you see, that's your problem that you're talking about there is. Right. Who, who do you blame at that point? And so that's where you have to have somebody as a buffer. You got to have a collaborative intelligence element to it. I think that entry to middle level row is going to be completely eliminated out of digital marketing. Yeah. Like you have to get good fast. It's almost the video game model, right? Like you reach a certain spot in a video game and you either get good fast or you're not getting past that spot. And then you end up throwing the controller on the ground and getting pissed <laughs> off. Right. Like it's just like you you have to get good. And the issue that I see with a lot of these entry level marketers is that they want to they want to tout these massive returns for one client or fabricate data to make it look like they're a lot better than what they are. So that get good barrier has never actually happened. Uh, We spent I spent seven years so far battling against that barrier to get good. And I would say I'm still not there. But that's that's constantly driving like. When yeah. me and my accountant were pulling data, I spent more money on personal development or professional development through people that have beaten through those get good barriers consistently than most normal people would. So much so it got me audited in 2019 hmm. because I, the government didn't, the IRS didn't recognize and be like, why is this dude dropping multiple tens of thousands of dollars on hiring experts to help him when his income is only so much? So they said something's off. They're probably fudging numbers. When when they looked at my receipts, they were like, oh, like you actually did spend this money to go get better. It's like, well, of course, everybody in every industry should be finding that person and investing into them to teach them everything that they know. Because ChatGPT isn't going to make you a better marketer, just like growing and reading some of the Cliff Notebooks aren't going to make you a better reader. They're just going to help you pass the test. They're going to help you get the job done, but it's not making you a more proficient reader. You're not going to understand subtext. You're not going to understand character development. All these things are missed, which are crucial to you becoming a well-rounded reader, just like you would be if you were a well-rounded web designer, a well-rounded SEO marketer, or a well-rounded paid media specialist. You don't have these weapons to become the murderer in your industry to rise to the top, so you're never going to get there. That middle and uh, like entry-level row is going to get completely eliminated. Yeah. I tend to agree with you in our industry as well, where but there's no like, but there's no excuse anymore, Roy. Like that, that that's the entire point. If the if you pull the well, I didn't know or I didn't have access to something, right? It's all it's all BS. Like that answer doesn't count anymore. You have to get good, and there's no excuse for you not to get good when you consider that YouTube and Google are the top two search platforms on the entire internet where you can learn anything, right? And there's free everything is out there. Yeah, I, that was the thing before where people would be like, well, how do I get the experience if I don't have the job? That argument is is done. You can do it yourself. You can go on YouTube. Yeah. You can you can teach yourself. You can pass certifications. You can do what you can master these things and then head to an interview. And when you get that question, how much experience do you have? Then you actually have it. You might not have butt in seat experience, but I don't think that's really what 
people are looking for when they ask about experience. It's not no. buttons, not button seat. So did your chat GPT chat come up? I didn't yes. want I didn't want to miss that because then what did you ask it? Well, I was telling you this the other day, like it's hard to formulate a question specifically mm -hmm. to get what you want. Um, but I tried what you said about like keywords. And then I went back to like write me a post about automation using the keywords work wherever. Mm -hmm. um, and then it came back with, again, pretty much essentially what we would say. Did you know that automation can help you work wherever you want? With the help of this technology, you can take your work on the go without being tied down. Huh. That means you can work wherever. Hashtags. It gave hashtags? Yeah. yeah. It'll give hashtags. And they're actually relevant hashtags, too. They are. Yeah, work wherever, automation, productivity, hashtag nomad life. Nomad life. <laughs> And so are those hashtags like how re I, you said that they were relevant, relevant, relevant as in like trending or relevant as in topic specific or both. Wow. Yeah. So we've done a little bit of A-B testing around those like the hashtags that chat GPT gives you versus mm -hmm. ones that we've pulled independently around just doing research on Instagram or TikTok. And they'll both perform about the same. Wow. That's crazy. Now, what are some things? What so? What are some things that people should be doing right now on ways to use ChatGPT? I think the SEO one that I gave is most people are going to sleep on, and in the next two years, I'm going to blow past everybody with SEO. You hear that? Stay on that. Stay on your SEO. Sydney. SEO. <laughs> Every time I talk to you, man, I feel like I. Well, one, I realize how little I knew. And then yeah. now I feel like I'm just a smarter human being. Just having had a conversation with you, man. And I, I greatly appreciate your time. Sydney, do you have anything to ask? Sydney runs my marketing, so. No, it's a helpful tool for me. Somebody coming into it, like I didn't used to do marketing. Not in that sense, yeah. at least. It was more like face-to-face -face, trying to sell something. But uh, She's no. the white belt that we're trying to turn into a ninja by just being in the same presence of Alex Vanderhaar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I had to come into it and learn really fast. Okay, I didn't had no clue how to edit videos yeah. or any of that. Um, so that's why I smiled because it could be a super helpful tool. These tools for are me. cool, and they can definitely help people. And but yeah. to your point, Alex, you got to get good fast with it, or you'll become null and void. And it's just that recognize the part of your job that it is taking don't see it as a negative seeing it as a tool for you to take a level up and go on from there i did i've loved this conversation man how can people hear more about you because i know that we're just scratching the surface of of you here but yeah what well, well, how do they get in touch with do you this again um they can find me at neurohive podcast it streams everywhere um we're about to launch our youtube channels using those tools um, and we're going to be walking through some of them and how we're using them to create content. And then if you're interested in neuromarketing and want to hop in with us, just search Hidden Falls Media and we pop right up. Awesome, man. I appreciate you so much, Alex. Thank you so much, buddy. Guys, thanks for uh, thanks for checking us out. Thanks for listening in. This is uh, it's been a great podcast. Yes. We got to have Alex on way more. <laughs> this is we should just kick Sydney out and just have Alex as the co-host. Why, why, what, why were we, uh, what have I been doing this whole time? No, guys, thanks for hanging out. I appreciate you very much. Uh, Sydney, you got anything before we call it a day? 
I'm good. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out, guys. Until next time. See ya. Well, guys, thanks so much for watching and or listening. We have had a great time. Hope you did too. You can find all of the Work Wherever podcast episodes here on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or all of your major streaming platforms with new episodes dropping every Monday. Make sure to follow us at Capital Presence on all social platforms to stay up to date with the things all Work Wherever related. See you next week.